Hi, and welcome to the very first episode of BTS Podcast. This is your host, Lene Cook. A little bit about BTS Podcast. I am sorry to disappoint you, but this is not a podcast focused on the K-pop group BTS. Though I would love to do something around them, so if you know anyone who works with them, please do make an introduction. BTS, in this particular case, stands for Behind the Scenes. So I talk to a variety of people across verticals and functions about what they do and how they do it and the emotional work involved and their growth. So a lot is covered and I am excited to launch the podcast with Karen Okonkwo. She is the co-founder of Tonal. Tonal is a stock photography company that seeks to transform the idea of stock photography by displaying images of diverse people and their stories around the world. Photography and storytelling can really help humanize and hopefully diminish the stereotypes and prejudice against black and brown people especially. And they are working to challenge the stale, homogenous look of traditional stock photography by showcasing the many ethnic backgrounds of everyday people. The work they do is really great. They have collaborated with Nike and a variety of other brands and organizations. So if you're at an agency or on creative teams, please do check it out. It is a great resource and an excellent alternative to a lot of the more just kind of generic stock photography platforms out there. Karen also shares details around managing her own energy, the other businesses she has as a serial entrepreneur, how she works with mentors, and her advice around making the most out of networking events. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to support BTS podcast, please do support our guests. So check out Tonal, um, sign up for a subscription, share this episode. You can also support this podcast by subscribing, rating, reviewing. You can use my promo codes for services I love. Those services include Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight is an excellent app that you can book hotels through at great prices around the world. Their selection of hotels is excellent. I've used it for years and I'm a huge fan. They of course have a point system and uh, I am a sucker for a point system. So please use lcook 61 on your first Hotel Tonight booking. You can also book breather rooms. I use breather rooms to record this podcast in. You can use it for conference calls, offsites with your team. Breather provides meeting rooms across the country at hourly rates, and you can also do a full day rate if you would like. Go to Breather and use code Lene, L-Y-N-A-E, and be sure to follow us on social. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all of those. BTS can be found at BTS the podcast across social platforms, and I can be found at Lene Cook, L-Y-N-A-E-C-O-O-K. Thanks so much and enjoy the episode. Hey, this is Lene, and this is the first episode of BTS Behind the Scenes Podcast. And we have Karen Okonkwo, who is the co-founder of Tonal, a serial entrepreneur and uh, a lovely person. So I'm very excited to have her here today. Uh, Welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks. Um, So let's dive right in. You have identified as a serial entrepreneur. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I moved to Seattle in 2012 via corporate America. So I do medical sales. And when I got here, I realized that I didn't have a a social group. You know, your social life is handed to you when you're in school. That when you move to a different city and you start to embark into the adult world, you realize that you've got to start from from ground zero. So I went to meetup.com and decided to start my own women's group, predominantly to find other African-American women. 
And what started with four women turned into, believe now there's about 400 women in the group. That's amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. And if you're familiar with Meetup, you know that you have to put on events. So I would have happy hours, I would have outings, and all the while, women were really excited about the events that one of them pulled me aside and they said, hey, you should turn this into a business. You're really good at event planning. And so 2012, I decided to embark on my very first business called Party with a K. And it's still in existence now, and it's basically event planning, um, candy buffets, dessert tables, and things like that. That's so fun. Yeah. And you know what? From that point, I started to really become an idea machine, is what I tell people. I was in a sorority back in Arizona, and I thought to myself, you know, as much as you can love or hate sorority girls, they are very influential, especially on campus. You see them walking around with their cute shirts and their cute outfits and, you know, their nice hair and makeup. And sometimes I imagine people wonder where they got their stuff. And behind the scenes, I knew as a sorority girl that, you know, all the glitz and glam that you saw wasn't necessarily high end. A lot of these girls were very DIY, were very um, shop for, for less but look like more. And I felt like I could create an outlet online for women who are not just sorority women to get those best kept secrets. So reached out to two of my sorority sisters. They were on board, and we started the Sorority Secrets in 2013. And from that moment, I we just had so much attention. We were doing things with Nordstrom, with Victoria's Secret. We were really a part of that affiliate marketing world where we were making money online. But one thing that became very evident to me was that we did a poor job of showcasing women of different ethnic backgrounds. And even when I tried to find women of different ethnic backgrounds, it was a nightmare. I remember it took me about five hours to find, like, I think it was black girl drinking coffee. And it, it was in, in the stock photography world, you in mean? In the stock photography okay. world. So that's what ignited the idea of Tonal, which is my latest business venture. That's so incredible. I, I'd wondered what your background in event planning and such was. Yeah. And that's really amazing. And I will say I had very minimal exposure to sorority life um, growing yeah. up. And um, my older sister was in one, and it just, like, kind of eluded me. Mm-hmm. And then recently I went for the first time I committed, which is a big deal to me, Yeah. <laughs> um, to a friend's bachelorette party. And I was, of the 17 girls, I was the only one not from Atlanta. And I was one of three that was not in their sorority. Oh, wow. But I was so impressed because, you know, I think when you grow up with that group and you get used to, like, planning certain things for a certain amount of people, mm-hmm. it becomes second nature and it's not as stressful. Right. And it was the most well-planned group event that I have <laughs> yeah. ever been to Sorority in my life. Know how to plan things, that's for sure. It was incredible. And, you know, generally I think, um, and I'm sure maybe it happens with men too, but it can be a little, I'm not really a group person. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons is generally that in groups there tends to be someone who, like, ends up being the outcast or who is, like, a bad drunk, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. There's all, all the labels. All the ways this can go south that it uh, it really causes me stress because I just want everything to go smoothly. But I think because all these girls, you know, did all of that already in college and have all probably all seen like the worst of each other and then risen to the occasion occasion and been an incredible friend for another one that there was really none of that. Yeah. 
and we're all, uh, you know, I say adults in, adults in quotes because <laughs> I don't feel like an adult still at 29, mm-hmm. but I was so impressed. And then I went, oh, maybe I'll only do group things with sorority girls because they have hey, it figured out. We do. We definitely <laughs> do. And you will definitely have a good time with sorority girls. Uh, yes. And it is, that's like the kind, it was just a very different lifestyle. Like I'm used to like just a very different thing with my friends, but it's also that I, I do things with friends in like groups of three where it's like, mm. you know. My friend, their boyfriend to myself, yeah. or like just yeah. very, yeah. Yes. Um, that's incredible. That's so cool. And so then you started Tonal, and just um, for background, I heard about Tonal because I think um, your co-founder mm-hmm. Joshua is that right? Yes, Joshua Kissy. Yes. So I think he was on a podcast that I listened to. I think he was on um, Pod Save the People, maybe. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Yes. So. I heard about Tonal through that, and I'd followed Street Etiquette in the past. And then when I looked up Tonal and saw that you were here in Seattle, I was like, oh, this is perfect. This is awesome. And so what you guys do is really cool, and I have definitely shared it. Um, I have a newsletter called Ask a Millennial, and I've shared it with people because I have um, been in the marketing world for a while and worked with creative teams where... The the constant request to them has been, like, but can we get some other people in here? Like, not just all white ladies smiling, eating salad. (laughs) Um, And and then once I, you know, as an intern, I had access to Getty Images and and just different um, uh, stock photography websites. And I, it was the constant, it was, like, all white people or, like, white people and, and Asian Right. Like that was it. And it's really, and then I realized like, oh, our team isn't selecting, like they're not just choosing these. That's all that's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's all they yeah. have to work with. Which is baffling. So that's really incredible. And actually that's um, going to have me skip to a question that I was planning on asking further down. But I'm super curious because, you know, the whole theme of this podcast is what goes on behind the scenes of a final product and this particular final product being tonal um, and also yourself, because I think your um, Karen thoughts, I think is what it is. Karen thoughts Mm -hmm. is incredible. Thank you. Um, It was so great. So um, just like a shameless plug here for Karen's, uh, I would say probably the best advice I've ever seen given from someone that is not like self-serving advice. Like generally speaking, I see a lot of advice from um, self-identified like marketing gurus or or, like founders or whatever. And it's, it's a lot of like flashcard advice yep, that exactly. isn't applicable and it really grinds my gears. <laughs> so yeah. when I saw yours and even the intro video, I was like, oh my goodness, finally, yeah. someone being a real human and like sharing information in a way that is not self serving. Mm-hmm. This is so great. Your intro video was incredible. Thank you. And then I went a step deeper and Karen has these really awesome worksheets. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, so the only worksheets that I've done as an adult have, have been, <laughs> um, are you familiar with Blogilates? No. Okay. So my cousin showed me this really great YouTube channel. Yeah. It's this girl named Cassie. She has a channel called Blogilates and okay. it's like really good, quick, um, like pop Pilates classes on That's YouTube. Cool. And really cool. <laughs> it's, she's great. And she has like calendar worksheets and those are like the only worksheets as an adult that I've like respected enough to like mm-hmm. do. That's and, cool. um, and it does wonders for your abs. So shout out to Cassie. That's cool. Yeah. She was fun. <laughs> yeah. And yours were really great because they were like a perfect alignment of all the tools that you need. A lot yeah. of times I hear people give the advice of like develop a business plan, but that is such 
a like wild task for someone that doesn't know what they're doing. That's a moving yes. target yes. that you could spend years just um, spiraling out of control over a business plan. Yes. And um, Karen's are incredible. It's like resources for everything that you need from the explanation of what a sole, sole proprietorship is to an LLC that um, I highly recommend it. So thank you for sharing those. Thank you. appreciate it. <laughs> so to get to my actual question, yes. um, obviously with Tonal, you guys are in a really interesting situation where to get customers, you have to basically have essentially customers, like the mm-hmm. photographers who are supplying the photography. Yes. Um, I was really interested because I can imagine for somebody, if somebody was out there thinking, oh, I want to start a company like that or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. a huge hurdle would be, okay, but how do we get customers if we don't have this like library of assets and images already? So how did you guys start in that area? Yeah, so we actually decided that we were going to do Tonal in September of 2016, but mm-hmm. we did not launch it until August of 2017. Mm. So it was nearly um, a year before we actually pulled the trigger. So behind the scenes, we were actually building up our library. So we wanted to launch with at least um, a few hundred images Mm -hmm. to get people going. And then simultaneously, we brought on two other photographers who were developing our library as well. Um, Not necessarily when we launched, but maybe like a month or two before we launched, they started building the library as well. So we knew that we needed to have something tangible, obviously, not just, hey, sign up and it'll come later. Totally. You know, we wanted you to dive deep and get excited and um, really relate to the imagery first. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, by us having the imagery out there, we can see what you are interested in. And the cool thing is that we start to get an influx of, hey, would you mind adding this to your library and this and this and this? So now we're not wasting our time. Now we know, okay this in these first you know 90 days are what people are saying they want mm-hmm. so we can pivot and have a photographer start to fill the library with these images since there's such there's such in demand interesting and um, I don't know if you can share this or not, but are you able to see what people are searching for so that you oh, can yeah, see absolutely. okay cool yeah. because I imagine there's also a certain amount of people out there searching for things that then don't vocalize it, yes. right? That's like right. They I'm, don't tell you, but right. I'm lucky we're lucky enough to be able to see those analytics. That is very cool. That's so interesting. And so, has that been a pain point at all for you guys um, in terms of trying to figure out where you should be? Because I imagine there's probably some unforeseen. Um, like images that you guys were like, oh yeah, of course that. Like what are what were some of those moments for you? You know, really it was more so that we had access to keywords that weren't pulling up anything. Mm. So we realized that we had missed out on a lot of revenue for for not having at least if it wasn't the image, we didn't have the proper search tags. Oh, and interesting. So that was something where we had to go back and look at our like top thirty searches that were that returned no pictures mm-hmm. and go deep into our library to add those in to of course increase, you know, our opportunity the next go round for the next set of people who are looking for those things. Right. What asset management in terms of that is like one of my least favorite things in the world. (laughs) And I just, wow, it would have taken me a lot of like deep breaths to go through that. And it's very manual. (laughs) It is. So what people don't know is that as a startup, 
you know, there are things that you don't realize, and one of them was the infrastructure of our website. It mm-hmm. wasn't as hands-off as we were hoping, mm-hmm. and we do have a new version that will, <clears throat> excuse me, that we'll be launching here in September, mm-hmm. and it will have better search capabilities. It will have, um, I don't want to give away too much, I guess, but <laughs> it's going to be more user-friendly mm-hmm. and more custom to... Um, the user. This will be going live in September. Yeah. So if you go ahead, if you want to, because mm-hmm. um, I probably won't. I'll be in Europe most of August. Um, oh, okay. And I'm so this is a little behind the scenes on the on the behind the scenes podcast. Is that uh, in for as someone who does marketing, especially in social media, I learned very early on that sustainability is huge when you're. Um, doing anything and putting out into the world. Yeah. And so when we started The Vault with Avery, uh, we recorded, I think, maybe four or five episodes before ever launching. Yeah. Because I... Yeah, because I realized I went to school for photojournalism, and I just, in various rounds of me going, oh, it'll be great, I'll do this every week, and then realizing that committing to doing something every week and editing it and getting it out into the world when you also have a job and, like... You know, might like to have friends and sleep um, and things like that uh, just isn't reasonable. So a little behind the scenes on that for listeners is that I'll record probably four to six of these and then launch and then scramble to record (laughs) probably one or two a week because someday I won't be able to record for a month and I can feel that day coming. So um, that's so cool. I love that. Um, And so... From there, like you started off then, you were in medical sales. Are you still doing medical sales? Yes. Um, you are. Yeah, okay. believe it or not, I'm still doing medical sales. But I always tell people that if you want to build your own business, get a business building job. Mm-hmm. So if you have a job that requires you to be at work from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., chances are you're not going to really advance that much on your side business. So get a business where there's flexibility. For me, I make my own schedule with medical sales. I know what my quota is. Mm-hmm. As long as I'm projecting you know, toward hitting my quota or at least I'm very clear on my opportunities, there really isn't any sort of you know, micromanaging or hovering. Salespeople are very autonomous. You know, mm-hmm. We get out there, we know what we're looking for, and, and we try our hardest. And if we hit our quota, we do. If we don't, we don't. And so there's a lot of in-between time. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I'm able to juggle all of these other things that I'm connected to. That's incredible. And thank you for sharing that also because mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, I some of my friends who are a little bit more in the public eye of found, whether, whether having founded something or um, start, started a any kind of startup or whatever it may be are really hesitant to be honest with people about like driving Uber on the side or having a full-time job or like whatever it may be. And I think, I mean, it's becoming more and more socially acceptable um, as like people are more willing to be vulnerable and realizing that like we don't all have to do what we saw the entrepreneurs of our day do, which is like be super flashy. And that's, and saying that's all they do, and then eventually we find out that they, like, went broke, right? Like, they're, exactly. <laughs> they're all yeah. these, like... Yeah, everything, filed for bankruptcy. Yeah. Totally. Like, a story we've seen time and time again. Mm-hmm. And so 
thank you for just being open about that yeah. because I think it's really healthy for people to realize that like the people that they see on the internet doing incredible things. I know you were recognized by Forbes and Adweek um, just recently, yeah. and um, and I'm sure so many others that. Um, a lot of people might look at that and be wildly intimidated. And uh, a, a friend of mine, um, his name is Trevor. He's really incredible and has done a lot. I've, I've asked him before, like, how do you, like, do all these really incredible things? Like, And mm-hmm. we've been friends for almost a decade now, and he has a really incredible company called Brud, and um, he's DJed, and, like, he's done all these amazing things. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I just break things down into tiny steps. And, like, you know, I've read that before. I've seen other people say that. But then hearing your friends say that, where you have that level of humanity. Yeah. And you're like, oh, you're a real person. Like, you're not, like, some robot that wakes up at 5 a.m. and runs 10 miles and then, Mm -hmm. like, eats a power breakfast. and like. Yeah, yeah. You know, I call it disciplined life. I teach a lot of people that I mentor that if you are struggling to get your wheels churning, Mm -hmm. take out a, a, you know, 12-hour day, like, write it down and set what you're going to do at 9 a.m., what you're mm-hmm. going to do at 12 p.m., what you're going to, going to do it at 2 p.m., and just set it out and create that rhythm. Mm-hmm. And that's when you can fill in those things that you want to get done. And actually, it's very um, eye-opening because then you realize the things that really don't need to be a part of your day. Mm-hmm. So you start to trim the fat is what I tell them. That's awesome. Where did you learn that? Like, where did you gain this um, kind yeah, of insight well, over the years? I have great mentors who, you know, really have showed me the value of time. Time really is the most expensive currency. Mm-hmm. And it's through their mentorship that I started to reflect and realize that I was spreading myself thin. I go on record saying that I don't recommend having multiple businesses. Mm-hmm. At least I don't recommend doing it until you've mastered one. You know, give your 10,000 hours. So I started to um, have some some health issues that like really put me in the corner and made me reflect and ask myself, what is going to yield me the highest quality of life? Mm-hmm. And so from there, I said, okay, I know myself and I know that I struggle being disciplined. Yes, I'm successful, but I promise people that there are moments where I'm not very diligent in my day. And so I just decided to create that. No one, I, I didn't see it from anyone. I just decided, okay, I know that I am very motivated by alerts on mm-hmm. my phone. So not everyone is like that, but I was. And so I just decided to do that for like a good 90 days. And now I don't have the alerts. Mm-hmm. I, I already know what my, my day-to-day is now. I've memorized right. it. Right. It's become a routine. Exactly. It's become just what point. you do. Yeah. That's incredible. I yeah. I do something really similar, um, and it's just with alerts. And, like, yeah. and I wonder, did you find that, like, how did you adjust? Because I know for me when I was setting an agenda of what I would do, mm-hmm. I would say, oh, well, I'll do this in 30 minutes and this in an hour, and then find that, like, you know, task A actually takes an hour and a half, right? And then, like, task B only took 15 minutes. Like, how have you learned to adjust and, like, kind of what have been, I guess, maybe some of the more, like, pivotal moments in getting that structured? Mm -hmm. Well, one of them was realizing that I didn't need to do certain things that I was doing, Mm -hmm. so I removed them. Like what? Um, So one of them um, that I haven't mentioned is that I have a cultural wedding show business. Okay. And right now we're at a pause period where we're reflecting on if we want to turn this into a profitable business or if it's going to be a passion project. Mm -hmm. I entered into it wanting it to be a profitable business. But I understand that desires and things can change. 
And so because there's not a lot of movement there, there's no need for me to allocate that time to it on my calendar. So I removed it. And so that obviously has freed up at least two hours in my day that I can use to exercise a little bit longer mm-hmm. or to do task C that I was waiting on. Maybe I can do that a little bit earlier mm-hmm. and free myself to sleep more. So those are different ways that I've pivoted in my schedule. That's so awesome. That's really cool. Um, I appreciate you sharing that. It's it's really interesting to me how different people are motivated in different ways and how some people... Um, the whole setting the alarm thing is like they're allergic to it. Yes. Like they just and it's yeah. it's so hard it, for me it to understand. Me. It me for sure. That's so awesome. What has um what has been like the I guess on one side the most humbling um in in terms of like from start to present with tonal and what's mm-hmm. been the most like empowering and encouraging? The humbling is thinking that this would be a turnkey business. And I knew that we would obviously have to put in, you know, our time to get our money. I always think in big business, mm-hmm. everything that I develop is is that. But I also have to realize that it does take time for that to happen. And so we were supposed to launch on uh, on the total eclipse, which I believe was August twenty first. Okay. Did a whole marketing campaign surrounding it, and then that day came, and we realized that. We were not, we were Man, close I'm like to tense just thinking about it. So imagine that you developed a whole marketing plan. People are on the edge mm-hmm. of their seat waiting and you reach like 5 p.m. and you know that there is no way, Ugh. no way. And then to add insult to injury, this was the one day where I specifically had to do a lot for medical sales. So I couldn't even help in. Wow. So... I eventually came home way late at night, and we, we literally, I, like, passed it on my couch. We would, like, take turns doing things mm-hmm. to get the website. So that was very humbling. Yeah. That you've got to be a little bit more educated on what the needs are, you know, to, to launch outside of all of... Because I, I, I came in on the marketing side of things, so that's right. all my eyes were really on. I, I allowed the developers to do what they need to do. And I also do business development. And and so I realized fairly quickly, at least a week and a half before we were going to launch, that Mm -hmm. some things needed to be done. Right. And I thought we thought they would get done. So anyway, lesson learned. As far as what has been the greatest experience, Mm -hmm. the greatest experience has been the social impact and if I were to give an example, I will use the Urban Institute, or the Urban Institute, the Urban Indian Health Institute, excuse me. They're here in Seattle. Okay. And they represent basically the American Indian and Alaska Native community. And Abigail Echohawk is a huge advocate in the community and reached out to us saying that they just did not have imagery that depicted their community well. Wow. And yeah. if you think about it, there isn't. If right. you were to type in natives, you know, you'll probably get Pocahontas. You'll get one, you know, cliche. You could probably get image. a lot of plants, to be honest with plants. you. You probably get like native people will go, oh, a native, mm-hmm. <laughs> indigenous plants to the yeah. area. Yeah. And so it really broke our hearts to see that there was no human portrayal modernly mm-hmm. of the community. And so we embarked on a total collaboration 
with the Urban Indian Health Institute through Abigail Echo Hawk and released like a hundred images, provided them their own private images as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was an ability for them to actually see themselves, that we've seen those images do really well on our site. That's amazing. So that was a really great moment for us. That's awesome. That's so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, they So there's this uh, awesome Instagram called Vanishing Seattle mm-hmm. where they show, like, the different yeah, things. I've heard of it. I think I've seen it once. Yeah, where it shows, like, just as um, different pockets of Seattle get gentrified and disappear, and I'm probably not doing it justice in describing it, but... Mm-hmm. Um, Creative Mornings had Cynthia, who is who started that Instagram account there, and she yeah. showed me this incredible site, um, and it's called I think it's called like Pay Rent to the Duwamish, and mm-hmm. it's basically like because I live in Pioneer Square. Oh yeah, and it's basically like and it's so smart. It's like I wish that every tribe would do this because I think it's the coolest. Where it's like, oh, if you feel so bad for being here, pay rent. Yeah. And you can just go on and donate. And so I've gone on a few wow. times and just, you know, shot some money here and there because that neighborhood um, used to be, I, if I'm not mistaken, King Street Station is where there used to be, like, a fishing hole. And, like, it mm. it used to be completely, obviously, as the entire country was, um, like, native land. Yeah. And so that's so in, that's beautiful because that is something. I have a few friends who are artists who are um, native here and... Mm. Um, and it's just been so, it's been such a learning experience for me to yes, learn. Likewise. Yeah, it, because it's totally different. Like, mm-hmm. and there's just so much that, um, that is on their minds and like in their hearts. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting to be exposed to. Um, and I think we're really lucky to be here in Seattle because I've seen a much um, stronger uh and just more visible Native community here and more kind of, like, to some degree, like, level of respect for Natives here Mm -hmm. um, that I haven't seen, you know, I mean, in my sad little West Coast exposure of, like, just L.A., Orange County, San Francisco here. Yes, (laughs) yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. Likewise, even... Even growing up in Arizona, I can't really say that I've, I've seen too much homage other than casinos. Right, you know? which is tough. Yeah, I mean, I I got really lucky in that my parents are both, like, very, um, that is, like, they are polar opposites opposites in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not together, and but that is one area that they both taught me to have a lot of respect for growing up, which yes. I'm really grateful for because I didn't realize that wasn't... Um, most people's experience yeah um and so we would go to my dad and I would go on this trip from um like where he lives in Anaheim to New Mexico to go visit some friends in Santa Fe and we would stop Mm -hmm. at a bunch of different um like uh what's the word like just super special like places and um to Native Americans and he would like have me learn the history and like Mm -hmm. and it was just so interesting to me so that's really that's so beautiful what an awesome thing to be a part of yeah it was great and is Joshua here or is he where is he located so Joshua is in New York okay I thought so yes and how has that been coordinating with him because he also has his own deal in in the same way that you have your businesses and your job job yes he also has his own deal and so how has that been 
Yeah, so just like any relationship, whether it's romantic or platonic, communication consistently is key. Mm -hmm. And so we have weekly meetings, but we are constantly in conversation via Slack. Mm -hmm. We are friends before we are business partners, and so we've separated it where text messages are personal, Slack is business. Awesome. And we have done a great job so far. We've been business partners now for almost two years, which is crazy to think. Yeah. And we basically travel to each other's cities throughout mm-hmm. the year. So I go to New York at least three or four times. Mm-hmm. And he comes here about three or four times. Awesome. And any opportunities where it makes sense for both of us to be present, then we'll do that. It, it's only That actually has only happened once where we've needed to be together. And what was that team. for? Uh, we actually did a private talk at REI. Oh, cool. So, yeah, that was our first speaking engagement. That's awesome. That was in April, so. That was your first, well, first together, together, correct? Okay, yes. yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah. no, was like, um, that's, yeah, not that's not true. We've been doing a lot of, like, divide and conquer situations. Very so that cool. That's so awesome. I yeah. love that. Um, that's great. And uh, so, with your other businesses, uh, there are some, if I'm not mistaken, where you were the sole founder of it, correct? Right, which is party with a K. Okay. And yeah. so how has it been? Like, what are kind of the pros and cons to you in terms of doing it on your own versus partnering with someone? Yeah. So I actually talk about that in Karen's thoughts. And what I say is that I prefer to work in settings with other other people Mm -hmm. because there's no substitute for a second pair of eyes, Mm -hmm. a second person to provide a different angle on things. And so with that said, it also is important to make sure that you're working with the right person. And so I always talk about having the same why. Mm -hmm. You you guys need to enter with the same level of of outcome. Mm -hmm. So if one person is, oh, I want this to be a passion project, and then the other one's like, no, I want this to be a big business, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't be in business together. Right. You know, you're you're already going down the road of splitting. Totally. Very different values. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna you're gonna butt heads perhaps. Yeah. And that is something that happened in one of my previous businesses, which is no longer in existence because Mm -hmm. two of us had one idea of how the business should run, the other had a different one. Mm -hmm. And you can't have common ground when there's no commonality. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just, you know, some of the ways that I have, um, or some of the things, excuse me, that I I have considered. Mm -hmm. I do enjoy having my own business, something to my name. Yeah. It is exhilarating. It's nice to know that something is attached to you. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, if I were to choose, though, I would say... I like working with other people. Yeah, that's that's really good insight. Uh, and you sound a lot like my therapist. Oh. <laughs> hey, I get asked to do a lot of therapy-related stuff. I can so. see why. I was like, wow. <laughs> Are both your parents therapists? This is amazing. No, they're actually not. So. <laughs> but they're good people. That's amazing. And how do you... Um, how do you two work on problem solving together and and how do you approach that when you're working with somebody, especially on an area like this is just a very different um, type of company than your other endeavors? And so yes. I'm really interested how how that works. Yeah, so both Joshua and I are huge communicators. So nothing is going to be reduced to a passive-aggressive text message. Oh, thank goodness. It's very... <laughs> what a like, relief. Literally, it's very much... <laughs> 
pick up the phone mm -hmm. when something is wrong. And I, I'll be honest and say that I think there's maybe only been like one time where there's been a very apparent disagreement on something. Mm -hmm. And it was quickly squashed in, mm -hmm. in a phone call. And did you two know that you were both really communicative before you went into business together? Or was that something that was kind of peeled no, back? No, no. Okay. I met Joshua through one of my great friends, uh, Mechtis Mersha. That's her now fiance. Mm -hmm. So I... Oh, well, congratulations to them. Yeah. I experienced him secondhand you mm -hmm. know, through, through her. So we didn't meet on... Uh, like random ground we met through Mectus so I, I didn't know him on that friendship level too deeply but mm -hmm. we both just knew that we respected each other I think that's what it, it came down to is that totally we, we respected each other we we saw that each other were making boss moves mm -hmm. and we just wanted to align ourselves that's awesome that's really cool um how, what did you go to school for because I, I browsed around and I didn't see yeah. necessarily a ton of like nods to like that experience and obviously you were in a sorority so we know yeah. you went to school what did you well, what I was your major initially went to school to be a doctor mm -hmm. so I was uh when you're going to school to be a doctor you actually don't major in like medicine but right. what you do is you do pre-med which mm -hmm. is just getting all the science classes so then the next level is that you should have an actual major so I you can make a biology or chemistry mm -hmm. they say with medicals um for medical school, it looks better for you to kind of look a little unique. So I did family studies and human development. Very cool. Because I wanted to be a pediatrician. Mm. And then I had an epiphany my junior year and realized I didn't want to be a doctor anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I pivoted, made family studies and human development a minor, mm -hmm. and made my major business communication. And how did your parents respond to that? Oh, they called a family meeting. Oh, I'm they're, sure. They're, they're Nigerian. Nigerians, if you know anything about Nigerians, you have to be the best. You have to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, or a comedian joked a disgrace to the family. So <laughs> Who called, joked that? Oh, I forgot who it was, but that was the funniest thing that I've ever heard. And for those who are listening who don't know this, um, if I'm not mistaken... Uh, Nigerians are in fact the most educated group in all of America. Oh, like, really? yes. So, I would not um, be surprised. Yeah, it was actually, there was a study I think done in Houston where they mm -hmm. found out that it was like not just the most educated immigrant group, mm -hmm. but um, and I know that the study was specific to perhaps Houston or the state of Texas, yeah. but definitely the most educated group in all of that area. Right. And then I heard, um, I was listening to a, another podcast, or maybe I was, um, so one of my best friends um, is also Nigerian, and you mm -hmm. two have the same, or very similar last names, actually. Oh, okay. Um, and so uh, we were talking about it, and and I think it perhaps either that or it's that study got blown out to a country proportion, but mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I actually recall that too. So I'll, I'll look it up again because I mm -hmm. do remember reading that. And I'm not surprised because we are always taught to be the best. And it's not like a thing of pressure, which maybe some do feel pressure. It's mm -hmm. just a standard of, of life. So, um, yeah, we just, we... Nigerians are the best. That's you shouldn't get that's, that's, You're not wrong. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I think that's so interesting because um, the way that educa education is kind of shaken out, especially, I mean, my experience with it with growing up was a mixed approach of, like, 
you should go. And then I always felt like, okay, I should go. And I, in my head, had this idea of me just, like, being amazing in school. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not necessarily what happened. Um, But then over time, there there was also so much like, oh, but look at this. You know, like, look at Richard Branson. Like, he did it without whatever and all this stuff. And my mom, I can't remember. I think one of my best friends, her mom was going back to school. And my mom made the point that I went, like, it was an aha moment for me. That's really changed the way... I've thought about things where my mom said, like, well, look, those four years are going to pass anyways, so why not just go? Yeah. And that's something um, I approached school um, in hindsight strategically. At the time, I was just like, I have to pay for this. My parents aren't helping. Mm -hmm. And you can only get internships when you're a student, so, like, I should just stay in here and get internships. Yeah. Um, And... Truly, I tell people because I have, you know, cousins that are kind of like, oh, should I go? And what's the point? And da 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 da. Because they see so many people who go and then don't get a job. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole other conversation. Right. Um, but I always tell them, like, look, you should go because there's an, A, those four years are going to pass. And I can guarantee you from 18 to 22, no matter how incredible you are, unless you're amazing at like science or you're an amazing developer, no one's going to give a shit or take yeah. you seriously. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter how smart you are, mm-hmm. um, unless you're a prodigy at a very specific thing, you won't be taken seriously. Right. Um, so do something. Like, And school is not a bad thing to be doing in that time. Yeah. Uh, and when you intern, that's also the only time that people are just like really happy to help you and give you whatever knowledge you ask because you're not a threat to them. And yeah. that to me, and you get to like kind of have the shelter of being an intern. There's not really... You don't want to be scared you're going to get fired like right. you're an intern. Yeah, I treat um, school as just an opportunity for access. Mm-hmm. Totally. I sit back and I kind of laugh because I don't remember anything from school. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I remember is all of the network- networking opportunities and where it was able to afford me right. where I am now. So I struggled wondering if I was going to tell my kids to go to school. And mm-hmm. the only reason why I would is because I actually just want them to gain better access Agreed. in terms of people, not necessarily the knowledge. Of course, there's skill mm-hmm. sets that you adapt as well, but I think it's important for you to be at that level to understand that the majority of the world is, 95% of the world, you know, embarks on being an employee or a small business owner. So you want to make sure that you understand the mindsets. That's a really interesting people. statistic. I've yeah. never heard that. Where did you hear that from? That's awesome. Yeah, actually, one of my mentors, he just talked about, well, maybe you've read it. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, okay. Um, so Rich my Dad, uncle recommends it all the time. Yes, Robert Kiyosaki talks about mm-hmm. that in Rich Dad, Poor Dad. How so, have you found really good mentors? Wow. Well, you know, it all takes place with going to the specific area that you're interested in. So let's mm-hmm. just say you're interested in marketing. Mm-hmm. And the best way for you to find mentors is to go to networking events related to marketing. Mm-hmm. Because those are the type of people that you're looking for. And then you have to work the room. Mm-hmm. You can't just stand and hope that everyone's going to talk to you. Right. I do have a trick, though. If you are very introverted, I've, I've said this before at Seattle Business Babes, which is an, a group here, mm-hmm. I said stand by the food because mm. 
everyone will be by the food, everyone will be by the drinks, <laughs> uh-huh. and boom, you can spark a conversation there rather than working the room and forcing yourself around. But anyway. That is a great strategy. Yeah. Literally, you stand by the food. And here I was targeting people in the bathroom all this mm-hmm. time. <laughs> yeah. Because then in the bathroom, they're, they're excited to go back to the party. Totally. And most people need drinks, unfortunately, to socialize. So why not stand by the drinks and food? That's really interesting. And then what has your pitch been to them in terms of sparking a mentor um, relationship? Really, you just have to be explicit and, 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 and state your intentions, what mm-hmm. you're looking for. Because sometimes people may not be a mentor, but they can give you access. They can be a sponsor. Mm-hmm. So a sponsor is someone who has access to a specific job or person and can create that relationship for you, or at least that introduction. Mm-hmm. So they're not necessarily a mentor in your life, but they definitely are helping you catapult you. And so, you know, mentors are people who, you know, it's not just about their skill set, it's about their entire like lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, you're really you're you you value them beyond just their skill set. Mm-hmm. So how you find them is you've got to go out to these networking events. That's awesome. That's yeah. really cool. Um so I think that's about all. I, I'm still toying with, I love, um, I listened to, so I'd never listened to a podcast before um, Avery asked me to partner with him on our former podcast, The Vault. Mm-hmm. And then I started listening and I haven't been able to stop since. Yeah. Like it is sad how little music I listen to now as like, <laughs> as someone who's, as someone who's like music obsessed and has played music since I was six or seven, yeah. I constantly am like, what do I do? Do I listen to this or this? Um, yeah. And I do love podcasts that have cool little end caps and segments. Like um, Aisha Tyler does a really great one where she asks people what their self-inflicted wounds are. Mm. Um, and then uh, Jesse Thorne has like an outshot. And there's many, and I'm still toying with the idea. Um, I'm considering just kind of like grabbing one of theirs each time and going like, this one's inspired by so-and-so, What's whatever. Yeah. But for now, I think I'm going to stick with... Um, kind of the theme of the podcast and like what is one area or industry or company or more than one um that you're really interested in the behind the scenes of and like kind of what goes on behind closed doors so i'm very interested in how oprah winfrey navigates oprah winfrey Mm. is my idol i do not i'm not a fanatical person Mm mm-hmm I'm not actually a terribly excitable person. I'm a very happy person, very positive, but I'm not excitable. Same. But I will say this. If I were to meet Oprah, I would be very emotional because she has impacted my life. So with that said, Mm -hmm. I would love to just sit down and have tea with her and ask her, how did you go? From being this southern, this this woman who grew up in, in basically you know, uh, like destitute situation, mm-hmm. to being a journalist, to being this huge media mogul, mm-hmm. what all happened in between that time? That's a really interesting point because her her juggling, and like her prioritizing of time and opportunity mm-hmm. cost. Yeah. must be just bonkers yeah. and like being on her team um yeah that's a good one yeah so if someone out there can help me meet oprah i'll take you out to lunch <laughs> with oprah right exactly <laughs> in that case i will work much harder to get you connected with oprah <laughs> if there's you. an extended invitation <laughs> because god i love her yeah. i used to watch it was like other guys were like rushing home for like 
you know, maybe to play with their friends. And I was like, it's 3 p.m. Oprah's on. (laughs) Nobody messed with the television. That was just everything for me. So That's awesome. Um, Well, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. This is fun. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of BTS Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation that I got to have with Karen. It was really great to talk to her. This was actually our first time meeting, but I have followed Tonal for a bit and just really appreciate what they are bringing to the creative space. If you work on creative teams or with creative teams, please do check out Tonal and recommend it to people in your network. The work that they do is really great and it's quality. They have collaborated with a variety of organizations and brands and their work is gorgeous. Find them on social media, find myself, Karen, and BTS Podcast across social. Links to socials are in the description of this episode. Thank you so much. And I would like to give a quick shout out to Benjamin Batherum, who provided the music for BTS Podcast. Thanks for listening and have a great day.